0: are listening to the Bondzilla podcast. The Bondzilla podcast is a bi-monthly analysis of two of cinema's longest-running franchises, James Bond and Godzilla. This week, the Roger Moore era begins as James Bond faces off with some possible supernatural elements in 1973's Live and Let Die. Bond. Hello, everybody. We're back for another episode of the Bonzilla podcast. And I'm Nick.
1: And I'm Will. And uh, Nick, as you can see, which you can, everybody else can't because this is an audio format. Seems to be my running joke in all my podcasts. Yeah. It's like, oh, this is an audio format. But it is. But as you can see, um, I'm here ready to talk about mm-hmm. James Bond. And much like James Bond, uh, I have uh, some alcohol with me right here. I got my beer ready because uh, I need a refreshment. And something tells me um, I'm going to need an alcoholic beverage for this conversation.
0: <laughs> perhaps. <laughs> you know, if I wasn't straight edge, you know, perhaps I'd be uh, needing a beer for yeah. a, for a little, this one. Was straight
1: edge, meaning you do the cocaine straight off the edge.
0: It's the exact opposite of that, but you were close. That
1: sounds like a joke in a show. It's like I'm straight edge. It's like I thought you were straight edge. I'm like, no, I'm straight on the edge, man. <laughs> yeah, that would be. A, I would,
0: I, I'm gonna steal. That. I'm gonna
1: steal that. Okay. Anyway, so yeah, James Bond. Yeah, come on. Let's let's talk about it. Ready? So we're, we got busy lives.
0: All right. Well, we're here to talk about another classic of the James Bond films, uh, 1973's "Live and Let Die." Da
1: da da da. Again, you're close. Living let die. All right, Job, just <laughs> calm down. Oh man. Uh but it is a good song. I'll jump ahead
0: and say that. Living <laughs> yeah. Let Die yeah. is a Well we'll talk a little bit about. about it. There's some sort some interesting uh, No, that's the I'll little.
1: That's it. it uh. That's all we're gonna talk ah, about. Fair enough. Yeah.
0: Shall shall we shall we start? Ah, Must we? I feel
1: like Nick. I th- I feel like we got to get through this this portion of the podcast because I I got you got things. To I'm restraining say. a little bit on, on this part. So, um,
0: explain this to me. I will. I'm sure there's a lot that you'll find interesting as you usually do in, in these uh, sections.
1: Are okay.
0: <laughs> All right. So, post, diamonds are forever. Again, the Bond franchise is at kind of a blank slate mm-hmm. which is interesting to think about as a franchise that has like the era of bonds and the different bonds this is the third straight bond film where they're back at a blank slate you know and it's going to be the third straight bond film with a new bond as we've established sean connery is not returning right uh tom mankowitz did make a last-ditch attempt he, he really liked working with sean and he said sean we'd love you back and Sean's like, I've had two dreams in my life. To own a golf course and have my own bank. I own the golf course. I'm on my way to the bank. I'm not coming back. Right. So now they're they're trying to decide what the next step is going to be. So let's just get right into finding another bond.
1: I, I, hold on. I, I actually know how this one happened. I, I, like, I do know this story. So basically what happened, they're like, all right, well, we need a new bond because Sean Connery is is gone mm-hmm. and somebody else in the office is like yeah sean is he, he's gone he's not our bond anymore he's no more and then somebody else says more roger Moore. <laughs> <laughs>
0: again that, that's how it happens. so close so close um so there was the discussion again of doing the american bond they talked about bringing back john gavin who they had you know signed and were paying you know for doing these bond films he wasn't doing mm-hmm. uh you know talked about should we ask burt reynolds maybe adam west again uh they also considered since he was just coming off uh, a, a hit in dirty harry clint eastwood uh as james as an, as an, as an american james bond uh but finally harry saltzman and uh cubby brockley sat down and, and they felt that you know, they maybe were going too far in the Americanizing of, of Bond, and they, they felt that Bond should be a British person. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the the top person for a while was a man named Michael Billington, who we will actually see uh, sometime in the future on the Bond uh, uh, franchise. Uh, but, but a break happened for them, something that they wanted, wanting to have in for a long time, is that Roger Moore was finally available. They had asked him to do Doctrine. Right, because
1: I think if we go back to how far back, because... Because Roger Moore was in The Running at at some point. Uh, Yeah, so he was
0: in The Running twice. They had asked him to do Dr. No, Mm -hmm. uh, and they also asked him to do... uh, uh, You can do it. Honor Majesty's Secret Service. Okay. Uh, And he had finally finished his television series, The Saint, um, but he actually was doing another TV show at the time called The Presenters, with an exclamation point, or the pretenders, excuse me, not the presenters. That was that was a weird mix, up. the pretenders, with an exclamation point. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that show had just gotten canceled uh, because of poor performance in the United States. Uh, so more was finally available, and they finally asked them to do it. I
1: think it was intentional. I think it was sabotage. I think somebody's like, we need more, and so they sabotaged the show. Now explain to me, okay, so... I didn't really ask this with Sean Connery, but, like, what is – what was, like, Moore's career that, like, kind of led him up? Because it's always interesting mm-hmm. going back – because it's 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 very interesting now when you look yeah. about who we choose to be in our
0: – Big franchise. Yeah, movies.
1: our franchise movies. Like, sometimes, like – well, because, I mean, you could argue that, you know, especially when Marvel began, like, the like the Marvel Cinematic Universe mm-hmm. again. It was a little bit of a mixture between people who had done genre stuff and people who may not have been as known. Now it's all about like get prestige actors in here who want to have a little bit of fun. So mm-hmm. like what 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 was so more? What was the more
0: most known for his, his uh, television series uh, The Saint, which was based on another famous British character. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he before James Bond, he, he he had been very big on uh, television. I uh, actually had a, a little bit of earlier in his career doing uh, sketch comedy kind of early era like variety show SNL-esque comedy. In fact, he actually played James Bond once before on a sketch comedy show in the UK mm-hmm. uh where he played Bond on vacation having run into another agent from Russia who's also on vacation. Uh, but, but Bond, uh, the thing about, I mean, I've talked about this a little bit and it's always interesting considering what people say now about like once Craig goes, who, what should we do with Bond is that the Bond franchise has never really, in terms of Bond himself, has never really star casted. Mm-hmm. Like they never really casted someone who's already an established star. Well, yeah. Bond. They've mm-hmm. always gone. A lot of times they go to TV. I mean, Brosnan came from TV, which we'll talk about when we well, get to him. Yeah. Moore came from TV. Um, And
1: and I feel like it's a little bit harder sometimes when you do have that with these franchise characters because, you know, a lot of people, they would say – because, like, a lot of people want Idris Elba, and Idris Elba's kind of, like, in that middle ground where he's a star – in the film circles mm-hmm. but like you know is he a tom cruise right. so you can kind of feel that but you wouldn't want like I mean, tom a, cruise I, mean, I feel the same be... way
0: when people are like why don't they just cast tom Sims?" it's like well that would be completely against the way that they would exactly yeah cast bond mm-hmm. because they don't cast stars as bond they cast up-and-coming stars as right. Bond.
1: and i'm always for giving a new face or somebody yeah. you don't expect except in the case
0: of Moore, where he i believe if i'm remembering correctly i forgot to write this down my notes and i feel so embarrassed he was like 46. well
1: Podcast is over, guys. It's it's done. Nick forgot a note. It's been it's been it's been a good run.
0: I'll just go general then. Uh, Moore was already in his mid forties by the time that he was casted as Bond. He was he's th- basically dead. I mean, I think he's he's already <laughs> five years older or so than Connery was when he left. Uh, he Moore is by far the oldest Bond, and he will continue to be the oldest Bond through his long tenure. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Moore, yes, was finally casted. As Bond. Okay. Uh, after all this time, but it's like
1: it's funny because you're right. That's like a kind of like an easy hire. Like they've always wanted him. Yeah. Timing yeah. worked out. He's that's a,
0: that's our Bond. That's our Bond. And so now it comes down to choosing what the movie's going to be. But what kind of what the what are, they, are you asking me? Like no, no I'm thinking. Do- so now they've casted more. It's now time for them to figure out what movie they're going to write. Okay. And so they chose uh, wrong. So well, during. And near it actually comes from nearing <laughs> the ending of production of Diamonds Are Forever. Uh-huh. Cubby and uh, Harry went to Tom Mankiewicz, who wrote Diamonds Are Forever, and told gave him a bunch of the uh, Bond books they hadn't used yet, okay. and said, "Here, what what would be interesting for you to to do?" And Mankiewicz take a look, and he decided to choose Live and Let Die mm-hmm. because he thought it would be daring to have. A film full of African American <laughs> villains, because nobody in Hollywood was doing that at the time. Don't don't stop on my account. Yeah, um, Mankiewicz actually also wanted to write Solitaire, uh, who is the Bond girl in this movie, as an <laughs> African American woman. Right, uh, and was really pushing for Diana Ross. to to play the role of solitaire. Uh, But the producers said that they wanted to stick to the uh, Fleming original versions of these characters. More likely, it was because in certain regions, such as Japan and South Africa, having a mixed-race romance would have uh, definitely been box office poison (laughs) for them in those other regions. And to an extent...
1: uh, Man, when did Kirk kiss Ahura... When was that?
0: That would have been because that was like that would have been in the 60s. Because
1: my parents, um, and again, this is an audio format, so you you don't know that my uh, you can't see that my parents are of uh, is an interracial relationship. Right. Uh, but it was funny because my uh, my dad was telling me about how, like you know, at least to all of them who were watching Star Trek, like that was like a big deal. No, it was a very big yeah.
0: deal, and it was still very rare at I mean imagine? at the time.
1: I mean, listen, there's a lot of fucked up shit going on in the world right now. But could you imagine a time where you see a black person and a white person
0: kiss each other? And you're just like, what? Yeah. It's very strange (laughs) to think about it. And so they were very worried about what, you know, the box office intake would be, considering that now Sean Connery was gone. It was going to be another new bond. And and while Moore had some uh, play in terms of his presence in the uk because of the saint and how long that was on the air around the rest of the world you know again it was not star casting Mm -hmm. bond right so there was that concern of you know everybody was kind of dubious the media was dubious of another you know was the bond franchise going to continue you know cubby broccoli and saltzman were playing things very carefully so at the end of the day they went with solitaire being a white woman right uh, and also, one of the other reasons uh, that was that I was chosen is Mankiewicz and Hamilton, Guy Hamilton, of course, coming back to Mr. This Guy movie, Hamilton. Mr. Guy Hamilton uh, both had a love for jazz, and uh, so they really wanted the the place, the film, uh, at least a little bit in New Orleans. Mm-hmm. Um, so nolens hamilton was a little weary of it because the only thing he could think of to put in new orleans was mardi gras and they'd already used the junkaroo festival in thunderball right which okay, is yeah. very a very similar uh, visual aesthetic mm-hmm. uh but uh, make which came up with the idea of using the jazz funerals that the city was famous for uh as a set piece and hamilton's like yeah but that's going to be like a four or five minute thing uh so they did some scouting of the location saw the canals and thought well we could do something with that which we'll get to in a little bit mm-hmm. so uh, with bond uh casted we can start filling in the rest of the cast uh so much of the african-american casts came from uh exploitation films mm-hmm. uh, of the era uh yafit koto is plays a dual role of dr dr kananga and uh, mr big whoa spoilers yeah. Spoilers. I mean he he plays two roles. <laughs> right. you got to mm-hmm. give him credit for it. Yeah. Uh he was actually doing another United Artists film at the time called Across 1 One Tenth 110th Street. Mm-hmm. Uh and while he was just filming that film United Artists came up to him like are you doing anything after this? He's like no, I'll probably go home. He's like you probably should go to London. I think we're going to want you for the new James Bond movie. Uh and then uh Julius Harris who plays the uh, main henchman T he that <laughs> I didn't know that was his name. <laughs> it's his name. It's Tee-hee. He. Um, He was also doing the uh, Shaft sequel at the time mm-hmm. uh, Whoa. When, when he was casted. I know Shaft. Yes. He's a bad mother. <laughs> yes. Uh, Hamilton. He's a-
1: supposed to finish the, the line. You got to work with me here. I guess bad Podcasting mo- is a two-way street. Bad mother fucker. No. no, no. <laughs> You're supposed to say shut your mouth. And I was like, I'm only talking about Shaft. You need to watch more black things. I've never seen Shaft. You don't know the theme song to
0: Shaft? No. What? I guess we should listen to How it. How do you
1: not know the theme song to Shaft?
0: I, you don't know the I, theme song to I, Shaft? I can watch Shaft at some point. Oh, my God. Anyway, continue. Uh, so, Hamilton asked Julius uh, what he actually would want as kind of his henchman weapon. And Julius knew immediately. He's like, you guys use a lot of guns. use lot of knives He had that one guy with the hat i want a knife gun with a hat <laughs> in my hat i want a claw okay he's like i want a claw and that's what he got uh-huh. so he has a claw in the movie uh let's see we got more uh, and then uh to kind of round out the the villains kind of talk about uh, jeffrey holder as a uh, baron cimetti uh who the character is based just around uh, the like voodoo god, basically, of the dead. Mm-hmm. The, the, like, kind of the representation of death in the voodoo uh, religion. Uh, he has a very distinct laugh uh, that is very famous that, for his role. Uh, but he also was a very big dance choreographer. And so a lot of the ritual dancing that is seen in this movie was actually uh, choreographed by Jeffrey. Uh, who um, was kind of leading everybody in that? And he actually did, as they do, a lot of research into actual voodoo practices mm-hmm. and tried to kind of capture the real spirit of voodoo. Yes, and uh, just to kind of start teasing a little bit, there are supernatural elements of this movie, <laughs> uh, which are we'll there. I will argue are there. there. Yeah, uh, Jane Seymour makes her film debut as a main bond girl solitaire on mm-hmm. uh, this movie she was casted mostly because she had long flowing hair and that is the truth
1: yeah well you don't you i mean come on you don't want to get to know these no. women who are doing your bond girls
0: right. no that'd be crazy uh gloria Hendry as rosie carver a uh, quote-unquote cia agent quote-unquote that helps bond <sighs> or doesn't help bond we'll get into that a little bit more I- i'm 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 at the seams. <laughs> I'm bursting uh, at the seams. And then Nick. Uh, David Hedison as our Felix number five. Yeah. That's
1: just yeah. You Can I say this thing about Felix? Um, how much more? How much more do you have before we get into the actual thing? Uh, I do have a comment about Felix. That'll be
0: the. This, this is just kind of rounding up, and then we'll get the actual production. So. Uh,
1: uh, well, we gotta get into production. Then I'll just save uh, it for later. Yeah.
0: Uh, so they start doing location scouting. Um, and as they're doing location scouting, they're kind of finishing up the script. And there's a very... One of the problems that they thought that they had with Honor Magic Secret Service, at least one of the reasons they thought it failed, was because they tried to make the Lazenby bond too close to what Sean Connery was. So it was almost like a you know, comparison inherently. Mm-hmm. And it, it was, to some people, a lot of people at the time, you know, a lesser bond, because they were comparing it directly to Connery. So there was a concerted... Uh, effort to make this Bond as different from Connery's as possible Um, so from Moore's side of things he took the Bond books again kind of read some of them that Cubby Broccoli gave him and he he looked at a line uh, from one of the novels that that said that Bond had returned home from his mission where he killed but he had not liked doing it and so that's kind of where Moore gets his interpretation of the Bond character is it someone who enjoys saving the world enjoys kind of the sights and the sounds and the people that he meets along the way, but he doesn't, you know, enjoy doing the dirty side of being a secret agent. Uh, it's not as apparent in this movie, but it's definitely a major part of Moore's interpretation of the character going forward. Mm-hmm. So I just thought I'd mention that. Um, uh, so they're doing location scouting. Uh, there are, so the, one of the funny things about live and let die, the book is it's actually a prequel to Dr. No, like, mm-hmm. Live oh, okay. Levin die is the second book uh, in the Bond series, and Dr. No, what came later, uh, was actually a sequel. So they did have to make some adjustments to the story just based on that. Uh, they tried not to return to places, so while they did film in Jamaica, uh, they actually created the fictional island of San Monique to kind of play the part of uh, you know where... Uh, the villains. Where the villains are from. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, well location scouting in jamaica uh they come across a fence that says that has a sign that says trespassers will be eaten and they were like well we have to check this place out it turns out it was an alligator farm uh owned by a man named ross kananga and they decided to write this alligator farm into the script and have ross kananga be uh an actual stunt coordinator for them to help them with maybe planning some of these alligator sequences. And in fact, the character, the main villain, Dr. Kananga, is named after Ross Kanenga. Uh, so they come up with this great little bit that we see in the movie of Bond having to jump across these crocodiles. <laughs> now, Ross Kananga, the owner of that crocodile alligator farm, was the one who was doing the jumping. There were five takes of it, all of which are on the Blu-ray. And I have it set up if we want to check it out either during the break or after recording because you've got to see this. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so they do five takes. The first two, Kananga uh, just basically doesn't loses his balance along the way and trips into the water. Fine. The third time, the third take, the alligators know that he's coming now. So when he starts stepping across, they all snap at him as he starts jumping. To the point where he falls in the water and has to basically hold one of the alligator's mouths shut so that he won't get bit. Okay. (laughs) The fourth take, he makes it mostly across, but his shoe gets caught on an alligator's teeth <laughs> and so you see him I'll, you'll, I'll show you in the footage he's basically like kicking his shoe off being like get off me go right off right
1: me. well I, I sympathize with that because if you listen to one of my other podcasts i um recently am having a lot of trouble with uh, keeping my shoes tied so uh <laughs> I, I definitely i sympathize so uh, after with that, that one they
0: take basically like a couple days break to kind of trick the alligators into forgetting that this was ever happening and so on the fifth take wait what so basically, the alligators know these coming. So they basically take a break from it, so oh. that the alligators can kind of. I thought you them. meant
1: like they were
0: hypnotizing the alligator. No. Like we got to make these alligators forget. Uh, <laughs> and so, on the fifth take, Kananga makes it all the way across, and that is the tank that you see in the movie. Okay, and uh, if you don't, if you didn't notice, Roger Moore definitely makes you realize it on the uh, bonus features uh, interviews, but he suggested that. Kananga be wearing crocodile shoes uh, for his jump across. <laughs> well, so you can see how Moore really embodied the humor side of James Bond, right? That he was that way in, in right. real life. Okay. Uh, but the big kind of action set piece in this movie, and one of the last things we'll talk about before we get into production, uh, or the movie itself, mm-hmm. is the boat chase sequence. Uh, in the original script, it was for a long time written as, quote, scene 115, the most spectacular boat chase you'll ever see. Mm-hmm. So there's a couple big kind of set pieces in the movie. One of them is a big jump across. He the- goes from one side of a of, of body of water into the other side
1: by like jumping over the road. essentially. Yes. yes.
0: yes. Uh, that jump at the time broke the Guinness Book of World's Records record for the longest boat jump. Mm-hmm. It was 115 feet in the air.
1: Wait, the longest boat that jumped? Or was it? Was the jump long? The jump was long. Okay. Yes, but it was a normal size. boat. It was boat. a normal size boat. Yeah. Okay.
0: All right. <laughs> uh, I just, I just want to get the facts straight. <laughs> at one point during rehearsal, they one of the boats did clip the uh, one of the police cars they were using. Mm-hmm. We did forget to mention another casting <laughs>
1: bit. No. No, save that. We'll save it. You save that okay. bit. Yeah.
0: Uh what well, well, there's a little tease. Yeah. Uh, but so they got inspiration that Cuz that may tear the seams <laughs> apart. Uh, <laughs> they that got him inspiration to have a little bit where the boat crashes into the police car itself. Uh-huh. Um but the so they end up doing the wedding scene in this thing where the boats kind of go across the land again, uh this time in the middle of a, it wedding. Drives through a wedding. It drives through a wedding. It's the end of
1: the hangover too.
0: Yeah, I guess yeah. it is. that happens at the end of the hangover. <laughs> Uh, so the boat So the first boat they try Doesn't even make it to land Goes straight into a tree <laughs> I love how you're building up the suspense uh, <laughs> <Like, laughs> Stuntman is injured But okay uh-huh. Walks away Right. Right So that's one boat down The second take They get another boat The boat slides across the land th- Across the wedding Perfectly but during all the rehearsals the boat had been going left to the water for some reason this time the boat went right and crashed into another tree okay the boat the stuntman again was fine but the boat was crashed Mm -hmm. so they had to wait until the next day to actually finish the sequence except the next day they couldn't finish the sequence Because because the boat got stuck in an alligator's mouth I wish, <laughs> but no. It was just the the land had flooded uh, from a rainstorm the previous night, so they couldn't. Uh, Somebody rolled the monsoon in Jumanji. Yeah. That's what happens. Mm-hmm. That is true. Also, during the sequence of the boat uh, stunts, Moore, Moore does get injured when his engine cuts out. Uh, he uh, chips two of his front teeth nice. and bruises his knee very Sweet. badly. Oh, oh, poor, oh! His poor knee. Uh, Moore was also hospitalized with kidney stones uh, (laughs) during the production. Uh, Not having to do with the boats. Just kind of... He just had kidney stones. Which I will say, kidney stones are still the most painful experience I've ever had in my life. (laughs) So I feel for Moore going to the hospital. Um, Just two last things before we go uh, to talking about this movie. Uh, There's also... This one I just want to mention because one of the things... One of the joys I've had discovering the Bond uh, stunt stories is just kind of how unregulated and wild west a lot of it was. Mm -hmm. So there's that sequence they have with the bus, uh, where there's like the double-decker bus, and they're like basically driving it around and getting chased by police. And there's a bit where the bus basically goes under a low bridge, and the top of it comes off, and then a police car crashes into it. Uh, So they bought this one bus from London and brought it over to Jamaica to film the sequence. And Jane Seymour was there to get you know do shots. She's on the bus, you know, in the movie, and she's in between the takes. She's talking to the stuntmen and the producers, and she's like, "Oh, so like, did you like have another bus to test that this would crash like this?" And they're like, "Oh no, no, we just have the one bus." <laughs> and they're like, "She's like, so how do you know this whole bus crash thing is gonna work?" Yeah. He's like, "Oh, we don't, yeah, we don't. We're just gonna go for it." Right. In fact, like the stunt driver said that he. He was expecting the bus to just stop. Like, he wasn't expecting it to do what it did, which is... What it actually did was take the whole top off. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then finally, I want do want to mention the song real quick. Okay. Uh, because this was a song by...
1: Live and let die.
0: Here, continue. I'll do the song. So, uh, we've come a long way from Goldfinger where Bond said it was like, uh, you know... Bad Champagne was like listening to the Beatles without earmuffs. Mm-hmm. Uh, well now Paul McCartney, just coming off of the breakup of the Beatles with his band Wings, did decide, uh, came up with agreement with the Productions to write the song mm-hmm. for Live and Let Die. So they did the recording. It's the recording that you hear in the movie. And they they gave it to Hamilton with the orchestra and everything. And Hamilton sends Oh yeah, this demo's pretty good, but one of you were gonna record the uh, the real thing. <laughs> uh and then finally, they were like, "No, this is the real thing." And they're like, "Oh, okay, it, it kind of works." Uh,
1: but well, pop- he should he should be uh, he should be flattered because the same thing happened with uh, John Williams on uh, the Jaws theme song. Mm-hmm. So yeah, th- what I'm trying to say is, "Live and Let Die" is basically the Jaws theme song of James Bond. So,
0: which is funny because there is a character named Jaws, and I don't know if he has a theme song. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. He's coming soon. Uh, so Saltzman, though, is uh, he likes the song itself, but mm-hmm. he wants it to be sung by a different artist. But McCartney and his band will only give them the rights to the song to use if they use his version of the song. And H- Saltzman had originally uh, passed on the Beatles for A Hard Day's Night, as I mentioned in a previous episode. And he said, I'm never going to pass on a Beatle more than once. So that's the version here in the movie. But Saltzman, to his death, said that he had preferred the uh, version that's sung in the nightclub uh, Mm -hmm. uh, by the African-American woman uh, at the nightclub. He he had always preferred that version of the uh, song. Cool. So that's the production of uh, Live and Let Die. Well, Nick. I don't don't think it really sets up what we're about to
1: talk about. That was... All very fascinating, but you have yet to explain this movie to me. So, without further ado, I will have to take it upon myself to explain this movie to our
0: audience. And I'll try to help along the way. All right. All right, we'll get to that quote. We'll be right back. Going, man? Uptown, I believe.
1: Uptown? You headed into Harlem, man. Well, you just keep on the tail of that jukebox, and there's
0: an extra 20 in it for you.
1: Hey, man, for 20 bucks, I'll take you to a Ku Klux Klan cookout.
0: And we're back. Yes, to we talk are. talk about this weird movie. <sighs> oh, man. I mean... Like, listen, I know we usually have a structure to this, right? And I understand that. But I really don't want to bury the lead here. This is a movie where the main Bond girl is a woman who can see the future until can Bond... Can she? Un- can she? Hey, they don't say any otherwise. So, wait, I want to finish my thought. Okay, all right. So, this is a woman who can see the future... Until Bond takes away her virginity. At which point she can no longer see the future. Bond fucks the future out of her. (laughs) What is this movie? (laughs) And
1: and mind you, that's like one scene of the
0: movie. (laughs) Yeah. That turns into kind of a major Uh, plot
1: point-ish. Nick, I... I have never – it has been a long time since I've been this mad <laughs> watching a movie. This By is the end of it – like, now, I've had reactions – To movies. To, to, well, just to the movies we've been watching mm-hmm. before. And, I, you know, I've joked. I've, I've been, you know, kind of frustrated with bits. But, you know, ultimately, I enjoyed it. And, and there is a sense of enjoyment to this movie. Yeah. Clearly. I would even go as far as to say the first act of the movie. I was like, I was into it. I was Mm -hmm. like, okay, I'm I'm getting this. I'm enjoying this. Like, you know, it's very straightforward, but it's like a good kind of fun, engaging Bond tale. You know, it's of its time. It's definitely, you know, as soon as it opens up in New Orleans with, like, a bunch of black people, I'm like, oh, so this movie's going to be racist, yeah. obviously. Yeah. Oh, clearly. <laughs> like, even before the racist shit happens, I was like, well, I mean, you know, this was a movie. What, what year did this come out? 1973. Yeah, so it's it's going to be racist. Um, But but then it just I, – I just – here's the thing. So the past week mm-hmm. has been very busy for me yeah. just with, like – you know, a day job and, you know, other other work I had to do. So we kind of had to re- really kind of, like, schedule around things to, like, you know, do everything for the podcast. And and I was excited, and I'm glad I watched the movie. But at one point, I had the thought of this movie. It's like, I have work to do, mm-hmm. and I'm watching this fucking thing. <laughs> I had to watch this twice. I, 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 I was were- just so – I was – I went through so many emotions watching this movie where I was just... It wasn't even like I thought it was bad. It was just like, now I I give a hard time for babies but you know how (laughs) like I I do because you know how like babies like because you know they're infants and they don't know how to speak and you know they're you know they're not cognitively there all the way yet so all they do is cry like when they're feeling bad they just cry that's how I felt watching this movie I was just so confused that it just made me so mad and then eventually that confusion turned into uh, fear leads to anger 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 leads to to hate and hate leads to suffering so for me like that is live and let die yeah, for me But it didn't let me die. I had to watch the movie
0: what Oh this? man, this is gonna be a fun oh, one. Oh no, uh for oh my me God. Live and Let oh. Die was one of the movies uh Live and Let Die was one of the movies that was very frequent on those old showtime Bond marathons that I used to watch with my dad. Okay. And back then, even back then when I was when I was in like you know, a kid, I always thought this movie was like super strange. But watching it with like adult eyes and film eyes, you know, having gone been to film school and, and just having a lot more life experiences, this is one of the strangest it's so movies. Fucking like weird. like literally one of the strangest movies I've ever seen. Yeah, just in terms of like, cause it's it's the Bond franchise, right? Like it's this Bond franchise. You know, we're, we're a bunch of movies in. You know, we've established lots of what Bond is. But this is a movie that has very casual supernatural elements to it. But
1: again, are they, is it supernatural? They See, but that's the like thing. Like, the movie doesn't even do a good job at, like, even hinting if it is supernatural or not. I
0: mean, that's the thing, because they, <laughs> they don't hint otherwise. Because other, like, another Bond movie or another action movie would be like, oh, she can see the future? Well, it's actually because she has, like, a video eye or, right, or something Right, right, like yeah. But this one is very much like, no, she's just doing tarot cards readings. And it's like she's predicting things right, so I guess she's the future she's yeah, but, telling the but future. you know what that kind of reminds me of it reminds me of
1: uh, like the Metal Gear Solid games like right. the Metal Gear Solid games oh, are yes, definitely yes in, but those are because well that's also a world that's like set up for that type of you know the, that type of uh, cross-pollination of genres where it's like it's definitely like a real world war more of a sci-fi thing and then they add the the fantasy elements but then they kind of explain the fantasy elements but there's still that but there's still that level of oh the but the fantasy may still be there where it's like oh this guy can talk to ghosts but it's like an actual chip in his head but then later on in the game it's like oh but there may still be ghosts like things like that yeah so but like this movie i'm just like this i get what you're saying you're absolutely right where it's like i think the movie thinks that it's putting in the work To to say it's supernatural. to, To say that there's supernatural stuff in it, but it's not... A lot of this movie had felt like either scenes got deleted, or that it was the sequel to a movie I hadn't seen, or that, like, that they made three different movies and they shuffled the axe around like the three different movies based off the same plot but shuffled the axe around where like you know the types of character relationships that they were showing on screen I'm like am I supposed to care about that like I feel like I should know more information about that than I do and oh my god this
0: movie yeah ah! we we've, we've got a lot to get to so so okay
1: all right here's a basic plot bond has to go on a mission to somebody was killing so, some yeah, agents. So three,
0: three British agents were killed in right. a row. Uh, they're all connected to uh, this uh, prime minister of of, of an island called San Monique, mm-hmm. uh, Dr. Kanenga. Uh And so Bond is originally sent to New York and then to San Monique and finally to New Orleans to investigate what is actually happening. Oh, yeah. G-
1: great. All right. Here's the thing. I'm going to get off all the things because here's because i will say I like want, yeah. for the first act i was quite enjoying this mm-hmm. I, I was like i think it was a yeah it was a solid bond film i saw some missed opportunities but otherwise i'm like oh the action is pretty good uh there was already the wackiness i like i like the opening scene is of a guy the united nations getting killed by a, a like a sound wave in his uh in his headset yeah um but then the best part was like it cuts to the funeral scene mm-hmm. in New Orleans yeah. and a guy one of the agents is watching it and they're like and this other guy walks up to him and the agent's like oh well who died and this other guy's like you and then he just shanks him yeah he shanks him he does and then he shanks him and then you know it's the funeral so they're carrying the 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 casket mm-hmm. and then the, the agent falls to the ground and then they come up Over the guy with the casket, drop down the casket, and picks him up in the casket, and then the funeral turns him into a parade. Yeah, and I was like, "Brilliant! This is genius! I love it! I love it!" Um, and and then that finally, and then eventually we
0: get introduced to Roger Moore, which is really I want to do. I want to talk about this. Yeah. So think about how. B was introduced right. or even think to forward because you've seen Golden I think about how Brosnan was introduced right you've got like the big setup I'm a, right? little, I'm a little
1: fuzzy on right like the damn yeah. sequence and yeah okay yeah. gotcha All so, right, like the
0: you. big like you know they kind of hide his face it's this big kind of it's a moment moment right yeah. this one is just they pan the more uh, sleeping with a woman right which is kind of pretty good and then it goes into this sitcom scene with M appearing at his home while Bond has to hide that he's been sleeping with this Italian woman. And I'm just imagining like all those like 90s sitcoms where like the kids had a party and then the parents come home early and then the kids have to hide but everything. This is, but so at first I thought he well, was I mean, like... It's brilliant, but it's also just completely a, a different way. And it's a very unique way of introducing Well, okay, Bond but here's because, the thing.
1: I, I like the introduction. Mm-hmm. I like that it's the casual... Like yeah. I mean, we're what this is seven, eight movies yeah. in, um, and we know everything about Bond. It's we're, like oh, yeah, you know, but Bond is uh, you know having his way with a with a woman again. Yeah. Um, and so I, I like that they opened up with the, just the more casual nature of it. Yeah. And and I'll and I'll go as far as to say like kind of give my thoughts on because this is more. Uh, I I like more quite a bit actually. I,
0: think, I mean, more again. It's a very Different interpretation, uh, not very. Uh, a different interpretation, Connery's in in some ways, uh, but more has such a personality. That's and a, what it and is. Presence to him uh, in terms of that personality and that kind of, you know, the way again, like let's just look at that opening scene with 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 M, uh, for him in in the way that he's talking to M and with the suh and everything like that, mm-hmm. and like it's it's a very different way than like Connery would well, play it. And I think like I think that more. So much of more, you know, we'll we'll talk about it as the more films go on. Moore's films get a lot of criticism, and for a lot of people, it is like the weakest era of Bond because people feel it's like it's it too silly, or you know, the, some of the films don't play as well as they should. But the films are always on the back of Moore is always into it. Moore doesn't have, at least to my knowledge, and I'll be surprised if he does. Moore doesn't have like a phoned-in performance. Allah, you only live twice mm-hmm. like Moore is always giving everything is all, even if the material around him is or isn't great and I think that's what really makes Moore stand out is you can always tell that he's so effortlessly effortlessly into the jokes he has, the action he's doing. he's great at it and it's just it really is apparent in this first movie.
1: Well, what I would say is like it is more of a perf- more it is more of a performance though I think because. I think one of the things about why I can see why people like Connery more is that he – it's kind of like the Harrison Ford is Han Solo thing, mm-hmm. whereas like Connery is kind of that character. Like It kind of feels like that's more of an extension of, of, himself. of himself to an, a certain extent. So it makes almost more sense that when – you know he finds it boring it's going to show a little bit more whereas like when Roger Moore comes in it's more of he's putting on a performance now yeah. and i i think that's very admirable and that's why i mean he's definitely he's more expressive uh, than we've seen a bond yeah. be thus far i mean there's some great uh rolling of eyes and, and like what is this looks, guy talking about eye, yeah like, like,
0: Moore's like, eyes and the more the way more plays his eyes in all of his movies i think he's one of his biggest strengths like mm-hmm. uh, just the way that he kind of can squint at somebody or wide-eyed or just the way that he looks with his eyes he's very strong on that performance side of him
1: and it's definitely like one of these characters where it's like you can definitely tell where
0: you know, I think, like, this is
1: kind of going a little bit further ahead, but, like, when you get into Craig, like, Craig definitely, as we get through these movies, kind of almost feels like the odd man out. But mm-hmm. not in a bad way. It's just, like, that's when they decide to do a different Bond. Yeah. Because it's, like, I can see, like, you coming into some people's Bond, maybe Connery. I can see some people's Bond being more. It's, like, more in this movie, and this is the last thing I'll say about him, like, he was so, such much such a natural fit in this role you would have thought he had been in these movies yeah. already. Yeah.
0: But anyway, so Bond gets his mission he's headed to New York. Um and yeah, so first thing that happens, he gets in a cab and the cab gets shot and he's driving through the streets. Yeah. And and, and see that was another scene where I was like, "Oh, that
1: like that action sequence was mm-hmm. very effective," I thought. Like, right. you know, it, it's tame enough, but it's kind of like you know, it's kind of like oh, the average day in the life of a secret agent, where it's not like this big elaborate thing, but it's like I've oh, just, like I've his driver s- got shot and now just he's like survived. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I like that. I, I did like that a lot. Yeah.
0: So we, you know, he gets in touch with Felix and they're trying to figure out. You know, hey, the <laughs> Felix is just like, give me the tag on this white pimp mobile. Yeah, yeah, which is a great line. Oh, uh,
1: oh, here, here's the thing I was gonna say about Felix because I opened this movie thinking like the thing about Felix lighter mm-hmm. that I find very fascinating is like. He's in a lot of these movies, yet he is always recast. He has really no definable characteristics. Like, you really could just put any character in it. But I just find that, like... You really couldn't do that with Q or Money Penny. Like it's right. like if you did, then it would be you're making a decision to go a different mm-hmm. direction, or you got to fit. Like you literally can just put whatever character you want for Felix, yeah. which is fine. I just find it fascinating that he's in a lot of these movies. Yeah.
0: Well, just to be uh, to be square about it, this is going to be the. This is
1: like if Wedge Antilles in Star Wars was like played by a different character every time, but he's in every
0: Star Wars. This is actually going to be the last Felix appearance for a pretty long time. So uh, I like this Felix, though. I think he's.
1: Well, I was going to say because I I wrote down my notes. It's like what what a kind of weird anomaly of a character but this was the first time where i felt his presence a little bit yeah. where he felt like a more of a character yeah i really like this, thing, this yeah. performance i think ever since because he kind of had a role in goldfinger too a little bit um, yeah, yeah there was I a think little bit st- more i mean like doctor
0: no goldfinger and this movie are definitely the, of the three of the stronger felix appearances mm-hmm. um i he, i'm
1: looking at my notes and i'm trying to think of like because I, I have a couple more things where it's like oh i like that i like that there is a there is a sharp turning point in this
0: movie yeah. for me. Uh, so I just want to mention. So he goes to an like cult voodoo shop.
1: Oh, the worst name shop ever. It, no, it's called. It's not called on-cult. It's called O-cult. O cult. Oh, It's called O cult voodoo shop. Is it? Oh, it
0: yeah, like, like stylized N. Well, because it's supposed
1: to be occult. Yeah. But it's like, but it's O cult. Yeah. It, it's an awful so name for a there, shop. He goes there. He
0: finds the white pimp mobile. He follows these, uh, basically, black mafia whatever you want to call it which gets to um a incredible sequence where we find out that every like african-american in new york seems to talk to each other is like involved in this big case right right because the whole gag is like bond is goes into a taxi to chase you know the oh is this with the black taxi yeah. cab driver? So that's he- the
1: best line in the movie. So, uh, he's like, yeah. just follow that guy, and he's like, oh, a white guy going to Harlem. I don't know if you want that. He's like, twenty bucks, and uh, just take me there. And he's like,
0: man, twenty bucks, I'll take you to a KKK cookout. Yes. <laughs> I was like, I
1: like that but guy. Is, like it's just
0: like really incredible. I mean, this is kind of where. To an extent, the, like the exploitation, and, and to an extent, the racist elements come in, which is like every like black guy that they and black girl that they come across are like radioing each other to basically be like, oh, they're he's on his way. He's over here. He's coming into Harlem. And right. It's right. just like it's like this. Every- well, no, but they but they all worked for yeah. the guy. Though. I know. But it's yeah. just like it's just like. But here's what I will it say: about, a, the way it plays out, it just seems like every
1: time. But see, I, I bought this because I did like that. I mean, there's a tone of like, you know, it. it during this time period, they may not have known how to go about it yeah. the best I mean, way. I, I guess that's so what I mean. There, there is a like shade the, of. I mean, yeah. listen to me. The racist stuff about this hasn't even fucking started yeah. yet. But like, true. very true. Yeah. Uh, but what I did like about this though is like he goes into the neighborhood and eventually he comes a foul of some villains Mm -hmm. and then another CIA agent a black CIA agent comes it's like man you know you can't be coming down to Harlem like this but that's the kind of stuff I liked because it was like and this was that little stuff where while it could be done well I like that they were putting Bond in this different different environment a little bit even though it it did you know it, it you kind of are getting into that territory of like like the better the, the white hero yeah. in the black environment yeah, it, it, that is
0: that is kind of the, the aura that you do get right but, but i and did feel
1: like this part all, was the, at least interesting and it's
0: one of those things like one of the things i remember as a kid think about was really weird it was just like i get why bond's involved especially like watching the film again and with the three agents killed but it's also like bond is kind of getting involved in this like drug running operation or that's what it seems like it's like right. heading to uh, like, in America, and it's like, does he really have jurisdiction here? Right. But I guess it's just because the agents got killed. Right, and so I think th- th- I was th-
1: just taken where it's like, oh, a new, a new thing yeah, he's doing. Yeah, but it is
0: nice to kind of see something new, especially coming off, like, the Connery era where we just had nonstop Spectre stuff pretty mm-hmm. much, other than Goldfinger. I think it's, like, it's going to be refreshing for to kind of get away from that interconnectedness for these films and right. kind of start to get a bunch of different types of Bond adventures.
1: And and during this time in the movie, there was a lot of stuff I was digging. Like, you're right, like, Teehee, Teehee, <laughs> is that the guy? Yeah, Teehee, it, the the claw guy. Yes. Okay, he has a claw. Yeah, like he's he's claw. Mm-hmm. I'll get you, Gadget.
0: Yes. <laughs> like a nice claw voice. I <laughs> no, like, I like he, Teehee. Yeah, I like no, tee-hee. I liked him. I think uh, he's got like again, he's got a kind of a personality. You know, maybe not like the most distinct in some senses, but I think like he it's, it's henchman enough. It's, it's henchman enough. I yeah. think he plays off more really well. Uh, yeah, what you know, I, what I also I did, like that other I like the the henchman whisper whisper yeah i liked him too whisper really. it's just like more champagne sir what <laughs> More champagne? Sir. oh yes yeah course. yeah I, I did like that
1: um also uh t he has like later on in the movie you find out that his whole arm is basically yeah he's got like a, a richter like a, set arm like
0: a, yeah like a basically like a full on like richter scale robot <laughs> yeah, arm yeah and
1: i i thought that was weird that it's like oh Shit! This guy's a yeah, fucking he got, he cyborg.
0: Got his, he got his uh, hand, ca- uh, arm, but off by now. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then there were other
1: things like we get introduced to quote unquote Mister Big. Mm-hmm. Um, right. That's the yeah. the the drug guy, the drug guy or yeah. who we say he is the, the
0: pimp. Uh, um, whatever.
1: And uh, and what I liked about him is like Bond just shows up at his hideout and you think you're gonna get like the, the big confrontation. The, the big confrontation. And he comes out. And he's like, "Who's this guy?" And he's like, "Oh, this is some guy." They say something. He's like.
0: Go out and kill him Names of a tombstone Yeah
1: Names uh, over tombstone Go out and kill yeah. him And I was like Oh that's great I, li- I, like, it. Yeah. I uh, like
0: it Also in the sequence Is where Bond meets Solitaire Yes uh, Which he, he gives uh, him a reading Yeah And uh, discover that they- and,
1: and then again This was another part I thought like I mean it's cheesy definitely yeah. But she's like It's like what's your thing And you can see he's reacting Like this is kind of bullshit He's like He's like well what's in the cards next And then she puts out a card and then it's like the lover's card. Yeah. And then he's like, and then he makes some joke. He's like, Oh, I'll, I'll be, it's like, right. uh, I'll be back for that which later. It's also or great. Cause
0: like it's like, Oh, like, well, is there, you know, she, she's got the card, which is like the, the priestess or whatever. And Bond notices is that, Oh, that looks like you because actually, all the cards in the movie were specifically painted for the movie. So, Seymour. Right. Uh,
1: I should also mention that uh, Solitaire is basically uh, Padme from uh, the is, from yeah. the Star Wars prequels, where she uh, always has a different fucking outfit yeah, and hairstyle. Yeah, but uh,
0: so like, because Seymour, uh, her image is used for the priestess card, mm-hmm. and so he's like, "Well, is there a card representing me?" She's like, "Pick a card." He plops over the fool card. Yeah, and she's like, "Well, there you go." Yeah, and he's like. Yeah, that that that, that, that there's, that's a, good there's stuff. an interesting dynamic there, but that that, uh, that is good stuff. Um, so then we head to uh, San Monique.
1: Yes, and I have it right here. Yes. this is where the movie. This is where the movie just goes bonkers. Yeah, because then I I I have to just get into this yeah. right now. We're introduced to w- what I thought was one of the worst characters i've ever seen with what's her fucking name? Rosie Carver. Rosie Carver. And and again there's a reveal to this character later but she's basically like, "Oh, i'm the CIA agent assigned to you." Mm-hmm. And then she's like, "Oh, it's like a, it's so good to get, you know, back to have another partner again. I like the last one
0: died or whatever." Right, cuz like her the the other guy that she was like working with was killed in the opening sequence. Right, but She's so bad at her job. job. I mean, well, I was want to get. Let's talk about the reveal with her character a little bit because it 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 it's hard to talk about like what I feel about her without talking about that. So it's eventually revealed that she's actually working for Doctor Kananga. Mm-hmm. She's actually like a basically, I guess you would call a double agent. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so she's not. It's never really made clear if she's like actually working for the CIA or if she's like tricking Bond into thinking you know she works by the CIA by having all the like official CIA stuff. But the thing is, is like she presents herself as so incompetent that it's hard to believe that, <laughs> like Bond would believe it for a second. And I feel like Moore plays it to an extent where you can tell that he's suspicious. But I points. think, but isn't
1: that what it leads to? It leads to him eventually revealing that he knew. Yeah. That he is. But my thing is, it's like I I kind of accepted that that eventually, like oh, like she's yeah being, but like. But she's making decisions where it's like, even if she was a double agent, why is she acting like this? And even when the ruse is up, she's still acting like, I'm sorry to say this, but she's acting like a fucking, like a spaz. Like, where, like, she shows up and she's like, oh, like, I'm a secret agent. But, like, she goes in. And she finds the body of a snake that Bond killed. By yeah. the way, at one point Bond kills a snake with a makeshift flamethrower. I'm not going to get into that, but that's essentially what he does. That's cool. And she goes in into the thing, and she's like, "Oh my god! Oh my god! A snake! What? What is this?" And then later on, like, and then they're doing like the thing where it's like, "Oh, now he's going to sleep with her." And then I'm like thinking, "Oh my god, here we go again." But then they throw a little line where he's like, "Oh no, I'm not going to do that, Bond." And then she goes into the room, and it's just a bloody hat with some bloody feathers on it
0: and she's all like ah get it get it away from me well, get it away yeah cuz this is getting to uh just one of the other supernatural ish elements yeah. of the movie cuz all that stuff is supposed to be implying uh Baron Samedi mm-hmm. uh, and like you know he again he is the voodoo god of death basically and then like he he's it's hints that he is going to be coming for you Rosie you know if you don't cooperate right but, you know, then, yeah, she just falls into his arms to be like, don't leave me tonight. And yeah. Bond's like, well, I, I guess I can do that. But then, like-
1: and then, but then she, like, does things, like, where she's in the, like, she's in the the boat as they're going. Mm-hmm. And, and, again, they, they do trick the audience a little bit where you think that the boat driver is maybe a bad guy yeah. and he's about to kill Bond and she, like, sneaks up on him. And they play it off like... Like, I think at one point Bond calls her an idiot or at least says yeah, something ba- to yes, that yeah, line. Yeah, yeah basically. Where, where it's she's like, like, oh, forgive her. She's like, uh, she's you know, just a, like,
0: She's basically like, yeah, she's just stupid. Yeah,
1: she's just stupid. And it's like, this, this, m- the boat driver is actually my friend. But my thing is like, yeah, but boat, why yeah. is she that committed to the role that, of being like, being a stupid CIA agent? Like, because even if she like, was the bad guy, wouldn't she know? I don't think, that like, the CIA
0: is like that, that, that incompetent where she, like, where they would hire someone as, like, unaware of her surroundings as her. I'm so confused, Also, Nick. the boat driver, if you got the name, was Quarrel Jr., oh my uh, God. So uh, who's yeah. actually the son of we got, the Quarrel I mean, character. Got, from- we got, well, there's so much yeah. to get into, and we're, so, and we're already running over. Yeah, but that's just like one, of the, one of the whole things from Dr. No, that's the, that the one connection yeah. that they made.
1: Okay, Um. so Bond bon fucks the
0: future out of this girl. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we should I talk c- about really quickly. So, so in on the island oh that they're my going. God, on this they're, is going to be a
1: long episode and this is such a weird fucking movie. <laughs> why this? Why this movie? Oh uh, god, but uh, there's a lot yeah, to talk about. Yeah,
0: so Bond uh so they go to this island and Solitaire basically has her own little like tarot card reading chamber where she has like this fancy outfit and this fancy chair and she's like predicting death. And Doctor Kananga's like, I thought you said Bond would die. It's like, well, I just predicted death. Maybe it was the girl's death. I I can't be, you know. Uh, right, because you know, she's
1: so fucking like good at seeing the future. But she's so thrown by this, lover's like, card. by this lovers card that, like, because I guess like later she's like, you find out like she's a virgin. But that's the thing. It's like the way this movie presents information is just so, like, lack, like, just so lax. Laissez faire. Yeah, and it's just like. You know they then they reveal it's like well
0: your your mother had the gift and I got rid of her like uh, like no basically it's like your mother had the gift and then I fucked her and <laughs> got the future fucked what, that, ba- basically that's the impl- the implication is that like her mother and even her grandmother all had the future fucked out of them. Yeah. So but
1: but it's like but how does that work? Does he because obviously they've had children. Mm-hmm. So do they have children then just fake the, the fortune telling for a while until they're found out or does he kill the mother and then hey, have to wait till she's like at least, you know,
0: the future at least 17 <laughs> ever changing. The future is. Yeah. What? <laughs> that doesn't answer my question. So you're, you're speaking nonsense. You're worse than this movie. Uh, so, but I just, because we got to mention a uh, bond. This scene is awesome yeah, by the way. Yeah. yeah. This, this scene's great. Yeah. So, Solitaire is like coming into the room with with her special chair, and Bond is sitting like in her outfit in her chair, just playing with the cards.
1: Right, and this chair is basically, it's a giant kind of like royal magical. If you have ever seen Spider-Man, Madame Web esque chair, yeah, with a cape built into the chair, mm-hmm. and it turns around, and Bond is is in the chair,
0: yeah uh like he
1: he's in the chair and i i just got a, such a kick out of, of it's, this it's
0: a nice image yeah, yeah. so <laughs> yeah so you want to continue with this one should so i so
1: then bond basically puts on his charms and convinces her to like you know to sleep with him and by by doing this like says like well draw the card it's like you know see what the, your future actually holds like he's playing into her yeah. fucking delusions <laughs> because i'm not Convinced that there is magic in this movie, I'm a hundred
0: percent convinced but why? that this-
1: there's no real like evidence that like like the thing is like this movie lacks like a real ma- like everything she can do is like it's just such he's a coming. bad yeah but it's like oh he's coming by. He, he, like he's coming by uh by sea You're on a fucking island Of course he's coming by sea There's only two options A plane which you can see And if you can Then it's gonna be the ocean yeah. So you're dumb Yeah
0: <laughs> You don't know what you're talking about I don't know I, I, I feel like they really believe That they're Because there's another evidence <laughs> Of supernaturalness We'll get to later Go ahead So
1: so anyway So Bond convinces her He's like alright So see what your future really holds So she draws another card And it's the lover's card And then like the, oh, it's like oh I guess they're gonna do this and then bond throws the deck away and it's just a bunch of lovers cards yeah which is which equal brings a question which it, but first of all it's equal parts really funny and also equal parts like that's really messed up mm-hmm. like you just <laughs> tricked this essentially like she is of age but I'm I'm gonna say she's a child because that's kind of how they present right. her in the movie yeah <laughs> and they and then she can't see the future anymore. But it presents the yeah. question. I turned to you, was like, because I was confused. Like, wait, where did he get all those cards from? All the same cards. And then you clarified to me that earlier in the movie, you see him go to the voodoo shop. Yeah, and I'm like, all right, I'll give you that. But, but does that
0: mean that there's like, two options? Yeah. <laughs> a he bought all the virgin or the uh, lovers cards all a la carte. Like yeah. basically, he just bought like just fifty of them. Or he bought like fifty decks (laughs) of of those cards and just took out all the lovers. It's one of those two. I don't know which one is better.
1: It's one of the two. And then it like cuts to this this scene where she's lamenting the fact
0: that she's lost the ability to to see the future. It's so
1: weird because it's not set up like Bond doesn't believe that. Like like Bond doesn't buy into the future stuff anyway. So there's really no stakes to her. Losing it—it's such a—it's just such a weird plot point to put into the
0: movie. She really, Seymour really sells the fact that she's lost the ability to see the future. Right, but this she's is really heart, okay. So that like kind heartbroken of, and Bond is like, oh shit, did I actually like do something here? Like he, I don't look think at, he feels that no, way. No, I though. think he does because he basically is like, uh, I don't really know. I. Did not See, I read this. that completely
1: different. I read that as like this woman is crazy, and then and then he has this kind of look. It's like, all right, let me like get, let me let me feed into this delusion a little bit more. Like that's how I read into it. Is I like don't know. so like he oh my god, and then and and that goes back into this is what the racist part of the movie is, is that they literally have the bad guy like believe in voodoo shit, like that it's all these black people of like this region. Who their shtick is They believe in voodoo And then and the thing is like that's Fine I'm not saying like you have to excise That and erase it from history or anything I mean you Can do that as a bad guy plot but what would have Been nice is like you know to Curtail that and I know it seems Superficial but maybe have some Other people in the organization who don't Believe in it and maybe just make it this this one guy's like weird obsession Like that you know that's his culture that and everything
0: Or like you, you do have to go All in on it being real like that's one of the is one of the two options yeah have. yeah exactly like that yeah. thing is like you because i do agree like higher i'm i'm on the side of that i believe that the the mankowitz and hamilton believe that they are presenting that bond is going up against supernatural forces <laughs> i 100 percent, especially knowing guy hamilton i 100 percent believe that like, they're going against what? against like the voodoo god of the dead and future to
1: what you're saying Listen to what we're talking about! I know! In this this movie. movie is
0: weird. It's, it's the weirdest goddamn thing. And then I thought You like, will not see this in a Jack Ryan movie, huh? Okay? I will give it that. Jack Ryan is never gonna this is, casually go against Voodoo. I, I I will say because of this, since this
1: movie is just the right amount of bonkers, that's why I I I do give it a passing grade. But like, but then you have this other character because at this point, at one point you think Mr. Big is actually another character. Yeah. And then he has a line where he's like, it's like well, Well, you know, he believes in all that weird mystical voodoo crap. And as he's saying this, and this is skipping ahead, but as he's saying this, I'm like, that guy looks really weird. Like, he's just (laughs) this other black guy that looks very weird. And I'm like, is he, was he like, is he burnt? Is like that his like Bond kind of villain trait? Is like he was just like melted at one point like that's what he looks like and i'm like he looks really fucked up and i like didn't want to be mean like maybe this (laughs) is just how he looks and then at one point then you find out that it's the villain he's the same guy and he takes that and again i i know how this is gonna sound and you know i'm gonna say it anyway but i don't think i've ever seen a dark-skinned black guy disguise himself as another dark-skinned black guy. And it was was really strange. It's like biting into your dark chocolate with a fudge center. Like, it's just... It was really weird to see. I've just never seen it before. (laughs) Because it was
0: like this weird kind of pasty... Like, just... It was... It was so weird. Oh, what what else? I guess the one thing I will say is that like, and also
1: the sorry to interrupt, but the editing of this movie is weird because they keep on cutting back to the the bad. What's his name? I keep on saying the bad guy, uh, uh, Doctor uh, Kananga. Kananga, um, who I actually did like in the movie, I liked oh, his I, performance. I, I liked his
0: performance too. Yeah. I think he did a good job with it. Yeah. yeah, but it's like the movie
1: like cuts so randomly back to it. it's like Bond. It's like he'll like dock at the island and like you know kind of drive inland, and then it's like then it like cuts to Kananga. It's like kill him and then like and then it'll cut back to bon and he doesn't get killed and he's like well that's
0: unfortunate <laughs> and the other editing trope of this movie is like oh i like, here, here's felix on the phone like, like oh we're sending you sending you to this uh, san monique and then it just cuts to you know like all the voodoo stuff happening just like baron samadhi just being like "Ha <laughs> yeah like he's the
1: fucking bad guy from princess and the frog <laughs> Like he's just like doing his little fucking dance yeah um and then um, and then we get the alligator scene, which is cool. So, like, uh, they capture Bond; they're gonna put him on this island, right. like, this little kind of, like, a land in the middle of some water with all these alligators, and I actually thought that was a cool scene. Yeah, that, and that I was again,
0: good. I think that's, like, uh, he has a conversation. That was, like, one of
1: those things, those, uh, those alligators came up, I'm like, wow, that's, those are that, real. That's scary. Yeah. That's a real uh, alligator. And T,
0: he has a great scene with him as they're, like, leading him to the island. I think that's their that, again, cool Bond henchman dynamic. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we get to the boat chase scene. And well... Then
1: I, he then comes this escape. Yeah. And that like this is where I just started getting mad. And I and honestly, I was almost I was because again, like I said, I had other work to do. <laughs> I had other things to be doing. And I was like, I I really feel like I could check out of this right now. Cause it's this huge long sequence that is like it's so like after a while, I'm like, wait a minute, like where is he going? Who is he who is he escaping from? Um But only because that, because I don't want to sound like an idiot. Like, if it was just him being chased by the one guy, I would completely get it. Mm -hmm. But then, then... Are we going to talk about it? I Okay, so the Roger Moore movies are pretty much the only other old Bond movies I've seen. Mm -hmm. And in one of the movies, we were introduced to this character who I said, and I stand by it to this day, is one of the worst characters ever put on celluloid. (laughs)
0: Oh, we we're talking and, about. Oh,
1: We're and talking about. He, and then, so he a appears, man here. He appears in that movie, and I didn't know this was the movie. until so you, you guys had told me, like, there's another movie where he makes his first appearance in. I'm like, all right, all right, well, eventually we'll see him. I did not know it was this movie. <laughs> and that the character I am
0: speaking of is. J.W. Pepper. This. Played by Clifton James. Will, do you want to know. This New Orleans sheriff, <laughs> to give you.
1: Like, basically, he's like, my name is J.W. Pepper. And he's like, you boys are going to have to do a long time in the pokey tonight. Like, it's just like...
0: Do you want to know the inspiration oh, behind J.W. Please, explain this to me. Okay. So, Mankiewicz was writing the script. And after his request to have Diana Ross play Solitaire was denied, and he started writing the script... He was a little worried the fact that all the villains and the people we were going to be, you know, kind of rooting against and laughing at and all that sort of stuff were all African-Americans. So he felt, why don't we have someone else to, like, take the piss out of, essentially? Why don't we have somebody else that we can just make fun of and root against in this movie? And that's where he came up with J.W. I mean, I
1: guess, again, this is like, again, during the time where people just didn't know how to navigate racism. Because it's like... I mean, the other stuff is questionable, but it's fine. It's fine. Like you yeah. know, it's like you know, it, it, you kind of run into some trouble. But if those are your bad guys, are fine. Just make them interesting characters. But this character, I don't know why he was so grating to me. It was like if you if you if you, if you mix all the annoying characters in film, it's like if you put Jar Jar Binks, the twin <laughs> the twin robots from from Transformers Two. <laughs> Uh, what's another annoying character? Pigeon Not. Toady from Storks. <laughs> <laughs> and you just put him in a, the loudest, most obnoxious blender you can find. New Orleans gumbo. <laughs>
0: Yeah, J.W. Pepper. And
1: then you get this. He was just – because it, it was not only the character, but he, it's just his face was awful because he's, like, spitting out tobacco all the time. And But what's crazy about this scene, it's like <laughs> – it, this is what I imagine this was pitched as. Imagine it was pitched like somebody's like, you know how you see all the car chases in action movies? Mm-hmm. What What are the cops doing during that scene? And then that's yeah, how they, it's played out. It's, they do it's cut back
0: to that, like... It's its too, own little
1: mini-movie.
0: Too much. An and movie.
1: it's like yeah. a whole story, because at one point, not only does... He get cut off, and they try to catch him. But then they go as far as to say, J.W. Pepper is like, my brother-in-law, I'm going to get him on the phone. And and then he calls He's him. He's got the fastest boat yeah, on the river. It's rib. like, how how deep are we going to go into this plot line?
0: Oh, my. god. Oh yeah, it, it does. It could have been a little bit streamlined. And it was I just, will agree. I, I don't know why it made really me so impressive, mad. Yeah, there's some really impressive stunts and some really impressive little bits and pieces. Yeah. But it, the, the sequence could have been streamlined. And, but,
1: and then... Like, I gotta be honest, like, this scene kind of deflated the rest of the movie for me because there's like a lot of key, kind of cool stuff that happens in the movie. Mm-hmm. But it's just like, like, again, there's like things like humor and stuff that, like, you know, is kind of jarring. And I get in other movies that people have, uh, may have complaints with. I think for me. Like I've had this complaint with the DC movies uh, of uh, where I think like one of the biggest problems I have with them in the third acts, well, why they can be fun, they just feel too distant from what's going on from the movie. Yeah, like a lot of the times it feels like, especially in the Snyder ones, is like the movie and the story has kind of happened, and then it has a third act that's like kind of connected, but it's kind of like your movie happened, and now let's have a third act. Right. Yeah. And so, basically, I'm trying to illustrate the point where you kind of it, your whole set piece just feels way too disconnected from what's going on, and that's just kind of how I felt with this. And interjecting it with this, the way in which it felt disconnected by just having this whole subplot that's just just really weird. And and again, I think it's just I just it's a little hyperbole, obviously, yeah. but in the moment it was just like, come on, let, let's go, <laughs> let's
0: let's do this. Um, yeah, so what, we, what happens after that? So, I mean, uh <laughs> Bond and uh Felix essentially go to um infiltrate Kananga's lair. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh Bond saves solitaire, kills a animatronic Baron Samedi and then Oh yeah, yeah, yeah! Fights the real yeah. one, throws him into a casket. Of I thought snakes. his
1: outfit was really cool. Yeah, like the kind of billowy outfit with like yeah. the, the face. I mean, he did look like. And his laugh is. Just what's his so doctor dist- Facilier yeah. from? Uh, yeah. From. Uh... And
0: his laugh is so distinct. It's like yeah. hard not to kind of take that in. He did
1: kind of comically fall into that. Yeah. To that box of it's snakes. It's also really
0: funny because uh, on the day they were going to do that, he was afraid of snakes. He didn't want to do it, uh-huh. but the basically the uh, duchess of england or whatever was visiting and he's like well i'm not going to do this in like in front of royalty so he did it, mm, it gotcha good for him uh so basically yeah then they're captured by dr kananga who's going to feed him to sharks uh there's there's a there's but
1: this a- is where i feel like it's just like like he just has a shark
0: yeah i mean it's it's like it is wrote bond like it's like are you a voodoo are you a voodoo guy with snakes
1: or are you pick, a shark guy?
0: Yeah, pick your pick your thing. <laughs> I mean, like he just he's, he seems like he's a jack of all trades. Yeah. Uh, there's and then uh, basically the the end beat. There's
1: well, there's an end beat in here that I kind of remembered going into there, which is in my like this is this is like. Proper, right, up your, right up your alley. R- right up my alley. But I get—I was just so annoyed yeah. that it. W- I was just kind of... I mean,
0: yeah, the, the third act is kind of just... It is what it is. It's nothing I, well, special let, in comparison to the rest of the movie. Well, let's
1: not... I mean, there is
0: a pretty crazy
1: thing that happens in this movie where they introduce an inflato gun. Basically, yeah. Where if you shoot something, it inflates. And at one point, Bond is fighting Kananga.
0: Right. He's escaped and he's yeah. fighting Kananga to the death.
1: He shoves the pill into his mouth and Kananga blows up like a balloon and pops.
0: raises up to the ceiling and pops. It's funny. Especially oh, like man. the shot because it's clearly just like an inflated like rubber like fake Kananga. All right. And then it just explodes. I um, just want to get really quickly some quick Yeah, yeah, things. yeah. Uh, so then uh, first of all Kananga's plan is basically to get Everybody addicted to heroin. Right. And then like just sell it through his restaurants. Right. Like basically he's gonna I p- did
1: enjoy that about the movie that I could follow I could follow yeah. the, the main. There's plot.
0: a there's a great gag that I want to mention where at the beginning of the movie Bond is sitting at a booth and the booth turns. Oh uh, yes, yes. So he turns this into really into like the like the backstage where he like meets Mr. Big. Later in the movie they're in New Orleans and they're at like a the same type of restaurant, like it's a chain. And he's offered the booth. He's like, actually, can we get something closer to the stage? Right. Because so Bond at, learns. So he sits at the stage. And as he's listening so to this performance of uh, Live and Let Die, the floor comes out underneath <laughs> him yeah. and sends him downward, which is great. That was really uh, good. And then we get like basically uh, kind of one of the Bond traditions that we'll see a little more of going forward. Uh, the uh, well, We've seen it before, but the, 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 the henchman being alive and, and, and taking one last... Stab at Bond where T. He. Oh, well, is on quite, the train. quite
1: literally, he tries yeah. to stab him with his. Yeah. Uh, uh,
0: but the reason I mentioned that, so there's a train fight. It's fine. Uh, Solitaire gets stuck in the upper. I,
1: I enjoyed that scene, yeah. actually, because I, I again, did I like the I, robot arm. I do
0: like robot arm. I think, again, T. He is great and mm-hmm. it has a presence and it really does have a, a, a great fighting uh, connection with Bond. But the reason I want to mention this is the last shot of the movie, which has always been. One of the strangest oh, yes. things yeah. in any of these Bond movies. So earlier, as we mentioned, Baron Samedi was into that uh, coffin he, of snakes. Yeah, he he, he 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 died. He died. Yeah, right. But <laughs> he appears at the back of the train. Yeah, at the end for the like the end basically right the the end shot of the movie is like
1: bond is finally going to sleep by the way there's a like a very weird scene where like these bond and this other i don't know why it was very weird to me this time but bond and solitaire are like prepping to fuck yeah it just felt weird that it's just like, <laughs> like all right let's 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 do this a, let's have sex
0: <laughs> there's also a great line where felix is like what are you gonna do on like a three-hour train ride or whatever and, it, and bond's like really <laughs> but it, the
1: movie is so i i we're gonna get to your point in a minute but the movie is like just so odd about like is it good that he fucked the future out of her like is yeah, it like no, you I know mean, what i mean like it's an, it,
0: but it is also another example where the character becomes so much less interesting right by the but time that, that could like,
1: be interesting though where yeah. it's like you could make it kind of like oh was it a curse like did you think it was a curse but then it's like because of the weird misogynistic tones of the movie and just Bond in general it, then she has this whole thing it's like my I life never felt complete and uh, she you, says like, I feel like a complete woman <laughs> <Yeah. now." laughs> yes <'Cause laughs> that was the line because he
0: fucked the future out of her I can't get over that she fucked the future you okay gotta, so anyway the, say, li- the last shot of the movie but, but, so Baron Samedi is doing his famous laugh right. and it's like infamous upon Bong fans that like the movie just ends with him laughing tipping his hat and it's basically like you get the the end title card mm-hmm. and, then bon, and then
1: and then Bond will show up in a uh, Gold, gold, what? What's the next one?
0: Man with a golden Man gun. Man with a golden gun. Yeah. 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 But, spoiler <laughs> alert Baron Savetti never shows up again. <laughs> and in fact, the only time he ever shows up again is in the secret <laughs> bonus mission of the GoldenEye video game for the Nintendo 64. <laughs> that's actually funny. That's funny, though. Yeah, and that's like more that. of a rep because basically, like, he appears. And then, like you think you kill him again, and then it ends with him laughing and running off again. That's funny. I mean, this is also what convinces me that the you know we're supposed to believe he's actually a voodoo god of the dead. But it was 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 he supposed to show
1: back up? Were there ever plans for that, or was that just kind of like a oh let's do a crazy thing? I I,
0: I, it's one of those things where I can't really tell because. There's people who are like, oh, there's rumors that he was supposed to appear again. Mm. But I also feel like it's kind of people trying to justify why he appears at the end of the movie. Right, right, Because it really, like, when you look at the Bond movies going forward. So it almost
1: sounds like just kind of like the, this is our confirmation that there is something else afoot. Yeah. But there is
0: nothing else afoot.
1: (laughs) Yeah, Okay. because the thing is, there's no magic.
0: when When you look at the Bond movies going forward, there's no place where you could really fit in Baron Samedi without it being, like, really weird. Unless you're gonna do more supernatural stuff. But I don't know. There's no magic in this movie. I believe there's magic in this movie.
1: There's no magic in this movie. These are dumb questions. <laughs> um I, I, all right. Let me let me just give my final thoughts final on this thoughts movie. Final thoughts in the aftermath. This I this movie was it's it started off pretty good, and then I don't know whether it's just I was tired or uh, but I don't really think so because I was like I was really into it and then I just felt like It was just a weird... It wasn't even a hodgepodge. It was just like this weird injection of a lot of just strange plot points that were very, I guess, like, made sense when they came up with them, but were very, like, not conceived very well, like, once they came up on the screen, and they don't really mesh. There's a lot of, like like I said, a lot of character information that it feels like that we should be more invested in than we are. There's a lot of Kananga and, like, uh, Solitaire, where it's like, should I care more about that? Because they're playing this scene as if I should care, but right. we and, don't... And
0: Kananga gets very upset when, like, she... He finds out something. Right. Did yeah. you mess with that?
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which but but to me, like, that's why I like the actor in it. Yeah. I thought he portrayed he, 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 that very well. Yeah. But yeah. it's like, but the rest of the movie doesn't give me an like doesn't doesn't support that is what I'm yeah. trying to say. It's like it's a lot of these like weird little ideas. It's because the rest of the movie is kind of just like like, all right, you got a good thing going on here. And then you're like, oh, that's an interesting plot point. And then, wait, wait, what? no, where, where are you going? Just D- finish this plot. Yeah. Wait, who? who J- all right, we're going to do that one. That's interesting. Wait, no, what, a, sh-
0: a sheriff? J.W. Pepper? What the fuck are you doing? What are you doing?
1: What are you doing?
0: And that's how I felt about this movie. For me, really quickly, before we get to the aftermath, Ugh. this movie <laughs> Am I crazy? Always, Am no, you're not. Like... <laughs> I mean, there's really nothing I can say other than this movie is exceptionally strange. It's That's a real... That's a good way of putting it. It's just strange. It's, it's a strange It's just such movie. a strange movie. And, like, I give it some credit for being strange. Me too. I do. You know, I, I still put this above stuff like Thunderball, you know, just because, like, it still has, like, a, a, a watchability of just, like, this is so weird. And is it supernatural? I think it is supernatural, what is going on here? It's really, honestly, it's
1: the chase scene that kills it a lot for me. Yeah. Because if and it I, weren't I, I, for I, I, that, it yeah. would be a little bit I higher say, for Like me. I said,
0: I, still, I like the chase scene, but if it were streamlined, I think this would actually be a better movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so just in terms of release, uh, released in the United States first on June 27th, 1973. A UK a couple weeks later on July 6th. Uh, this movie was more successful than Diamonds Are Forever, making $126 well, million worldwide. That
1: makes sense. You know why? Because it stars... Roger Moore
0: and it didn't have a solitaire wasn't black that's why (laughs) fair enough (laughs) it's a a joke folks. Uh, but so all that kind of the media and the producers worries about the Bond franchise you know where was it going to be it's on solid ground and more Unlike Lazenby, unlike Connery, isn't leaving this time. Mm. He's in for the long haul. So how many how many movies was he signed on for? Uh, I, the initial deal would have been four film deal. Okay, four film deal. Okay, uh, initially, yeah, mm-hmm. cool. Uh, so just to get to some of those reviews really quick. Okay. Uh, yes, it was generally positive, but still pretty mixed. Uh, people did like a lot of the action sequences. Uh, in the movie, that was generally what got the highest praise. Uh, Ian Nathan of Empire wrote about this movie. He said, "This is good quality Bond, <laughs> managing to reinterpret the classic moves for a more modern idiom without breaking the mold." Okay, yeah, that's right. He also called. Uh, well, that was because that was the weird thing about it. Because it's like, cause
1: I think as we go forward, Roger Moore would kind of be known as like the goofy Bond. Yes. Which is a little unfair, given like some of the things that we've seen in the Connery bonds. I will say too. that, yeah. yeah. I think
0: I think the thing is when, <clears> like especially when you're growing up, you see people say more is like the silliest of the bonds, mm-hmm. and to an extent, that's right. Like just because but it's this really isn't silly, yeah. it's no, I mean, just not, weird. Not this one. Yeah. More so, like his it's kind of more the middle period, to the later periods mm-hmm. more. Uh, but I think again, Moore deserves a lot more credit than he does. Yeah. Uh, by uh, yeah. by the main Bond. Uh, you know, I think your co-host on upside would agree yeah i, uh, I mean i I think he's i also think he's a great uh, bond, so Ian Nathan also said uh praised the realism of uh mr Big's plot, okay, yeah, all right, I like that Roger Ebert said that uh Roger Moore has the superficial attributes of the job, the urbanity, the quizzically raised eyebrow, the calm under fire, and in bed persona mm-hmm. however, he felt that uh Moore didn't live up to Connery's Uh, This is
1: what Ebert said? This is what Ebert said, yeah. It's funny. Ebert's uh, review on Rotten Tomatoes and this is
0: rotten. Uh, Yeah. Okay, go go ahead. (laughs) Uh, Leonard Maltin. (laughs) Ah, Leonard. Said this was barely memorable (laughs) over long uh, for a James Bond movie. Well, Leonard Maltin was one of my favorite uh, uh,
1: uh, lecturers, so Uh, I side with
0: him. Leonard Maltin also said that this film was seemingly an excuse to just film wild chase sequences. Uh, it's just the one wild chase sequence, but you know it kind of feels like many. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. <laughs> 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 we have to end up with yeah, the no, we comedy. will. It's
1: just, I mean, but it it sounds like like what are those reactions? Like it's it's like oh, it's a Bond movie. <laughs> I mean, I mean, that's basically what it is. I mean, play. I guess, like, I don't know. Maybe I'm just having... I don't know why I'm having such a diverse reaction to it because
0: I guess, like, when you really look at it... Yeah, I mean, like I see her, Danny Perry said that Roger Moore makes an unimpressive I really don't, debut.
1: I, I feel like you're not... I feel like you're right, and people really aren't thinking about the fact that he fucked the future out of her. I feel like if you don't think about this movie at all, it just feels like a real your standard Bond movie, which in many ways it is, but it's things like... You know, it's things like that that just make this movie so strange. It just makes it
0: weird, and it's not like goofy. It's not silly. It's just, it's so strange. I think you will. I you think you will enjoy this last little bit of a review. Mm-hmm. So Danny Perry thought that yeah, Roger Moore was unimpressed. Uh, he said, "There are a few interesting action sequences. A motorboat chase is trite enough to begin with, but the filmmakers make it worse by throwing in some stupid Louisiana cops, oh including God. Bob Pele, Chair Pepper. So oh you're not God. you're not alone, Will.
1: So awful. Uh, but here's the last thing I'll say about it. Uh, and I know it sounds like I'm being hard on it. I mean, the fact that I have a reaction like this is why I enjoy doing these. Yeah, um, it's,
0: it's it was amazing to rediscover this movie and really consider that James Bond." Fuck the future out of a woman. Yeah, yeah, and I mean it's, it's great really amazing you have that, that yeah. in the canon and and honestly things like that though Why even can't though Craig do that, <laughs> I and I I'd get on board with Craig if he fucked a woman out of the future, out of the future, <laughs> time traveling James Bond Terminator, <laughs> he fucks a Terminator, <laughs> fucks the future. It's a very sweary episode, but it deserves it. Um, he fucked the future out of a woman. He did, he did. But
1: and here's the thing, I really. I, I give it a lot of credit for that crazy stuff because I do like that crazy stuff. And really, it's not even that crazy stuff that dwindles it down. It's kind of that chase sequence and that it kind of becomes disconnected in yeah. a very tedious way that just no, deflates it's... the movie mm-hmm. for me. That kind of like that when we get to the crazier stuff that I do like, I'm like, oh, I'm not as into it anymore. But I, I, I will say that the biggest thing is like I do admire the 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 bonkers stuff in it. Um, don't confuse some of my hyperbole for pure hatred. It's a little bit of frustration, but it's also I have fun do it with it, and, you know, that's what makes these things last, as I've told you, as yeah. I've said before, is, like, that it is it is bonkers and it is crazy. But the bottom line is is that this is Moore's first movie, this first go-around, and I 100% approve of him as Bond.
0: Yeah, I agree. Yeah. All right, so that's it for living Let Die. That's it. So, Were, yes. w-
1: were you satisfied with that?
0: Because I, per- I know you were looking forward to this one. I was one. looking forward to this one. I think it was um, quite satisfactory. You know
1: what? I, I, you know, I, I try not to run long on these, but, you know, I think this was worth it. I think this is a good, longer episode. Good. Yeah. I think it's, this is – so I hope everybody enjoyed listening to it.
0: I hope everybody yeah. enjoyed the fact that Bond fucked the future out of a woman. <laughs>
1: All right, Nick, um, if they want to see other uh, more reasonably uh, timed and less angry uh, reviews of uh, James Bond and Godzilla movies. Well, I guess I should say, uh, you know, where we...
0: I, well, oh, two things. I forgot. we got to get these over with. Uh, who's Harrison Ford in the movie? Oh, who's Harrison Ford in the movie? I mean, I don't want to connect him to the sheriff stuff, but I feel like he'd be, like, angry at J.W. Pepper for, like, being... Weird, yeah. Like he feel like he'd be like kind of the police, like the high chief, right? He'd be like, "This guy's a secret agent." But that was the
1: other weird thing is like all the other members of the force seemed like normal people, yeah. and they, and it, to the point where they actually is like, "Oh boy, here comes that weirdo." But he he was the sheriff. He
0: wasn't just like a anyway. Or all right. he's like the doctor at the UN meeting, where he's like. This man is dead.
1: Yeah, I like that. I like yeah. that one. Um, and uh, so where are we going next time? So with Bond?
0: next time on the Bond franchise, we are going to the film that actually inspired this podcast in the first place. Uh, oh, yes. Yes, it and did. And is considered by many to be the worst James Bond movie ever made. What? Really? Yes. Interesting. It's Man with the Golden Gun. Wow. Okay. All right. But...
1: Next time isn't a James Bond episode. It is a a Godzilla Godzilla episode. episode. Um, And uh, we are traveling once again to another island in which, Nick, I will have to, um, you know, I think it's, you ever been to a baby shower before?
0: I have, actually. Okay,
1: well, you're about to go to another one, uh, one for a giant monster. You may know him. His name is Godzilla because you are about to meet the sun of Godzilla. I'm
0: so excited. On our next episode. I'm so excited for um, a son of.
1: So in the meantime, where can we find the podcast? Right,
0: quickly. BunzillaPod at gmail.com for email. Like and subscribe. Facebook.com slash 7 soundcloudcom bonzilla 7 twittercom bonzilla 7 <laughs> It's not Twitter.com. It just it just kind of turned into Bonzilla007. Yeah, it's <laughs> at Bonzilla007 on Twitter.
1: Yes, there you go. Um, all right, well that's it. All right, we're done. Will Nick? Yeah, I mean, don't don't. I, I need time to cool off. Don't don't even try to find me all anywhere. Right. <laughs> 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 you want people to find you?
0: Yeah, at Disney and beyond, if you like.
1: Okay, all right, we're done. Bye, bye,
0: bye. <laughs>